0: How does one need to show up in order to create a context for people to be the best versions of themselves and do their best work? What are the practical skills and tools that boost one's practice of leadership in order to do that?
1: These are the challenges that we as leadership practitioners approach every day as we observe and coach people in all kinds of roles, in all levels of organizations, and at organizations of various sizes.
0: In this podcast, we'll share our experiences, the experiences of the people we support, and what we see as working. I'm Jonathan Rosenblatt. And I'm Marlene
1: Jabrowski. Welcome to the Leadership Practitioner Podcast.
0: Hey, Marlene. Hey, JR. Last time on the uh, podcast, we talked about humanizing interactions, and and we kind of summarized all that up by saying moving away from this notion of transactionality, everything is about the transaction and, you know, getting stuff done and moving towards a space where, you know, you're, you're focusing on that connection. You're focusing on the people aspect of it, right? Humans working with humans and what that looks like. And so it's especially fitting for, conversations around the leadership practitioner that, you know, with that intention of creating context for people to be the best versions of themselves, to continue down this path of thinking about what are some of those prerequisites to creating that context. So last time we talked about bringing a human aspect of it as a prerequisite. For this time, let's talk about safety, or more specifically, psychological safety. Now, of course, Everybody that I've talked to has a completely different definition of what psychological safety is. So I'll start off maybe by sharing what it means for me. Love to hear what it means for you. And then we go from there. For me, psychological safety means that I I like to think about it from the positive perspective, right? So it means that your teammates are going to assume that you mean well until proven otherwise. If I had to reduce it down to one line, that's what I would say safety is.
2: For me, it's about the space given for the idea of safety. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give an example and I'm going to give it in the negative first and then we'll flip it on its head. To be in a place where I or others are being told that somebody else will define what safety is for them. That for me is not safety. So that flipped on its head is where there's space for us as humans to articulate what we need, what our needs are, so that we can feel safe. And I think, you know, we were talking a couple of podcasts ago now about context. And so for me, it isn't an absolute fixed thing. So I wouldn't say these are the absolute conditions I would need in order to feel safe. It's variable. And in certain contexts, I'm going to have a lot more latitude. And in other contexts, I'm going to have a lot less. Like, for example, if I'm in an organization that's telling me that it gets to define my conditions of safety, then I'm going to actually probably have a much narrower definition of what constitutes safety. There's going to be a kind of retraction. I also notice that in myself, it shifts over time. So what might be in the same place with the same people safe if what just happened to me 10 minutes before i walked into that room as if i'm saying walk into that room as if in the last 2 years we've walked into a room <laughs> but before i've come into a particular context
0: a virtual room it works
2: right if i've just come from a context where for example i wasn't feeling particularly safe or i was witnessing other people who themselves were manifesting symptoms of not feeling very safe then that's going to decrease my safety in this new context, or it potentially could. It would be easy for me to bring that with me. So I always make the assumption when I'm talking with people that that might be going on for them too. So it might be changing over time, depending on where they've just been or where they might be going. And it's certainly contextual in terms of that space that they themselves feel they have available to... Define what it is, because at the heart of it, there's some sense of autonomy. There's some sense of, well, I mean, we we could look at it in terms of like the scarf model
0: Mm -hmm. from uh, David Rock and the uh, Neuro uh, Leadership Institute.
2: Exactly. So the status is in place, the certainty is there, the autonomy is there, the relatedness is there, the fairness is there, and different people are going to need different aspects of that. But there, I mean, there are a lot of models for safety. Amy Edmondson's model.
0: Yeah, from a fearless organization.
2: Mm-hmm. That certainly colored our thinking in our framework.
0: And Since you mentioned it, let's dig a little bit deeper into that one, because in the research that Amy did, it came down to understanding that there's three activities that often happen in order to create safety. Now, How they're defined in each context is a little bit different, but ultimately the activities are the same, similarly to how the leadership practitioner framework, a way of thinking, not necessarily a prescription. And so we actually used some of that research that was done there to really build safety into the framework. And all of that is because if we think about the intention of the leadership practitioner, right, that, that if we come back to someone who is exemplifying, showing up as a leadership practitioner and truly creating that context for people to be the best versions of themselves and doing their best work, then at least to me, that safety is a prerequisite. Like it must be there in order to enable all of that to happen. And so the practices then that make up the framework, the leadership practitioner framework, sort of bring all of that embedded in. And it really stems from some of Amy's research around activity number one of setting the stage, which in our case of the leadership practitioner framework is around the intention The intention behind an interaction that you're going to, or the intention behind an activity that you're about to partake in. The second activity was around inviting engagement and what that looks like. Again, whether it's exploring curiously or sharing information, responding productively was the third one. And we've kind of built that into you thinking about your responses versus your reactions. I think the easiest way to start thinking about how safety is sort of built in and, and how you can, as a leadership practitioner, make it a prerequisite is by seeing how safety is built into each one of the practices of the framework.
2: So when we go to the framework and we look at shift mindset, what do we see when safety is present? Well, we see we've created a context where people are, in fact, best equipped to shift their mindset we know we've got lots of of data out there that tell us that when we're we're not feeling safe we don't have the big vision we don't have the thinking about possibility and so when we do then shifting mindset becomes something that's actually possible
0: i'm remembering an example or that i had actually in in a coaching session where you know, we were talking about what we were talking and we had gotten to the point where I was asking the coachee at the time of what would change, you know, as as a means of kind of continuing forward as that kind of forward movement to towards action. And I'm observing the coachee just kind of staring at me and not really knowing how to even start thinking about things, right? So this idea even of of shifting the mindset wasn't even possible because when the coach was thinking about the situation that was that was the challenge it didn't feel safe so it actually blocked the coach's ability to think period let alone think of moving forward or think anything like that so my asking of hey like how would you shift your mindset the only time where i we were able to get somewhere where i actually got a response from the coach was when we brought that safety into the space Granted, in our conversation, I asked the coach at the time, I was like, okay, so how could you bring that back to the situation that you're working with? And he said to me at the time, he's like, you know, I would feel very safe to be able to shift my mindset to something is that if I happen to get the wrong shift, nothing bad would happen to me, you know? So. That's to me, that's an example of when you're bringing the safety in, it enables you to what you were saying shift that mindset, right? Because it's a thinking process. You need to be able, it, it needs to be able to be okay to potentially get the wrong shift and then come back to it and see, okay, well, cool. What else could it be?
2: And when we're talking about inner practices, it's really brought to the surface in that example that you're giving. And to be clear, that's an example that anyone coaching has probably encountered many, many times. It's it's a common mm-hmm. pattern where the person we're working with is blocked because of fear. And the fear is not always external. The fear is sometimes internal. And it's about... What do they need to do in order to give themselves permission to make mistakes? What do they need to do in order to give themselves permission to try something and have it not work perfectly? Uh-huh. And so often in that relationship with like, where I'm working in that leadership context of trying to create the conditions for somebody to show up as the best versions of themselves, often it's an iterative practice where we literally are practicing allowing themselves to, quote unquote, fail. I say, quote unquote, because eventually they come to the discovery that it's only by giving themselves permission to try things and have some work and have some not work that they are literally giving themselves the space they need in order to make change happen.
0: And that space requires the safety to do so.
2: Right. And that safety comes from the relationship where, um, like I'm thinking in your example, you asked that person and you did some exploration with that person as to what they needed. In order for that to be there for themselves. And so that is something that you're investing in. You're taking time and energy to, to make sure, understanding that from one person to the next, it's not going to be the same. And then there's also that external element where people often are thinking about the safety that they need from the external world. And then it's like, well, what can they do in order to create that for themselves? But it's interesting to me how so many times when working with people, they begin sort of focusing on the external, but the work ends up being how can they create that safety for themselves internally? My job as a leader is to help them to basically to self discover that.
0: And then that's actually very similar to when we're thinking about the inner practice of, of enabling learning and improvement. Same thing. As you're enabling the learning and improvement, there has to be that room to to try different things, because otherwise, how do you learn? By bringing safety into that and intentionally enabling learning and improvement, you're making it safe for yourself to say, hey, maybe this didn't work. Great, I'm learning. Maybe I want to change my mind. Yes, amazing that I have the sense and the intention to improve and all that kind of stuff. And so, yes, I can change my mind. All of those are... In this case, because we're talking about inner practices, right? So all of these are aspects of how you bring safety for yourself that you assume that all of these things are amazing and that you have that space to grow within that.
2: Hey, Jarrett, can I play devil's advocate here for a
0: moment? Yeah.
2: Okay. So I'm imagining now we've got folks in the audience who are thinking something like, okay, that's all well and fine. (laughs) Um, You're talking about a coaching situation where you've got a lot of control and There's a sense of sort of what the outcome is and there's some kind of agreement that you both want the same things. Or JR, in your example, same thing, it's coaching. But what happens in this real world situation where I'm a manager or I'm on the hook for delivering something and I've got to, you know, the language is often got to, Mm -hmm. you're smiling because I think Mm -hmm. you've heard this before too where it's my job to ensure that X, Y, and Z gets delivered. And honestly, I'm not sure I've even got time for the safety. That would be the same argument, and we've heard it from our learners, where they're saying, look, I don't have time to respond. I actually need to react because, in fact, the organization I'm in values reactivity.
0: I love that conversation. I love that conversation because especially when you start thinking about the time it takes things, right? One of the first things that I always point out is when you rush through things, and that's one of the reasons why we keep going back to, you know, there's a framework and a way of thinking for a reason is to help you not rush through things and to think it through. But when you do, in fact, rush and you try to short circuit it and potentially remove the safety from the situation you try getting people to work and and again bring the best solutions to get you to to the finish line and all that kind of stuff when they're all threatened about oh my gosh i'm going to make a mistake and i'm going to lose my job or i i can't say anything to this particular person because they're going to blow up at me i can tell you from my experience i have yet to see a situation where when you kind of go straight to that, and you're not paying attention to creating that safety, you spend more time trying to deal with the repercussions of the lack of safety than you would have had you just made the time, kind of like that old age saying of you got to go a little bit slower to go faster, right? You're going to spend even more time trying to get people back to a neutral state, let alone their best state in order to get what you need done. So sure, you can sort of short circuit it, no problem. Not worry about these things. Not, you know, don't safety is not a thing. You could absolutely do that. What I would love to then see afterwards, we can measure the amount of time then that we spend getting people to collaborate or getting people to to get their work done.
2: Right. Cause it presupposes that the answers are all already known. And everybody knows exactly what has to be done in order for the thing to happen. And there isn't going to come a moment where you're not going to need, you're not going to need people risking a little bit of themselves, at least a little bit of themselves, in order to pool their ideas, in order to come up with the best solution. So if you're if you're okay with, you know, a good enough and you have absolute certainty that someone unilaterally, a whole group of kind of fragmented individuals could unilaterally deliver whatever it is that they need to deliver. And you're happy with that. You're happy with sort of the risk that that entails. And you're okay with not having walked away from the possibility of all of that human interaction that could make your life better and make other people's lives better. Well, then you actually don't have anything to add to that. But I can't think of one complex delivery that I've ever been part of where the solution wouldn't have been better for more collaboration, provided that the conditions are in place for that collaboration to happen.
0: If that's the case too, then also ignore the previous conversation we had about humanizing things because the this notion of, well, I don't have time for these things because safety is very much so a human concept. Then we're basically saying, okay, so you know what? Don't worry about the previous episode either because you're going straight to transactionality. Which is fine, except for the intention of a leadership practitioner is to create a context, not where people are good enough. It's to create a context where people are the best versions of themselves. I'm going to slightly tweak it here and say, and therefore can do their best work.
2: Right. And the time for building out that context of safety, I'm going to use the metaphor of a bank account. The time to want to draw down on your savings account is not at a moment where you haven't put anything in it. <laughs> like there, there has to be something to draw down on in those relationships. So that requires investing in it all along and not just, oh, gee, now I need it.
0: Coming back to the framework, I'm thinking about the inner practice of responding versus reacting and and kind of going again to what you were saying, Marlene, about this whole concept of I have no time and, and so on. And if The leadership practitioner with the intention of creating that context, so on and so forth, doesn't take the time, then what could happen is a lot more of that reacting. And so, one of the reasons why, you know, in the framework we have, hey, responding rather than reacting is. That invitation to bring safety back into it and saying, okay, well, if someone, let's say, in an interaction or on a team that you're working on or someone within that context makes a mistake, if you're going to react right away, then maybe you're going to hold it against that person or say something that, again, is not really conducive to them being the best versions of themselves. But if safety is built in, and again, our invitation of, of bringing safety in and saying, okay, well, hey, respond then the response here would be something like, okay, well, if you made a mistake, great. It's a learning and improvement opportunity. It's not going to be held against you. Or if someone did something wrong, then it can be brought up, discussed, learned from. So it creates that space where people can do that. And when people can do that, studies have shown that you know, there's there's all of the positive emotions that come along with safety, which is things like, you know, feeling trust and feeling confidence and inspiration and wanting to be open-minded, wanting to be resilient, wanting to be motivated, like all of these lovely things. But that all comes from, again, in this context of our discussion where the leadership practitioner is creating that context, that context includes safety, the practices in the framework invite you to make sure that you're putting safety first.
2: It's the the doubleness of this because it's kind of two for one, because when as a practitioner, you're practicing responding as much as possible more than being reactive, more than reacting, then you're creating the conditions for those around you to respond rather than be reactive. This has a, a kind of knock on effect because now you're modeling how it can be. And in so doing, you're actually creating a context that allow other people to show up in that same mode. And when they do, it further opens the space and creates more likelihood of other people joining you in that space.
0: Yeah. What if we switched it to uh, some of the outer practices now? One of the first ones that come to mind for me when I'm thinking outer practices and, the, and sort of the the practices of leadership that we do with others, thinking about connecting and empathizing, right? Well, again, in order to have a really solid connection, or you know what, better said, when you focus on building a solid connection, and you bring in that empathy, well, all of that, again, comes from the fact that you've hopefully built in the safety or brought in the safety, invited that safety in there, so that someone could open up, right? It would be kind of difficult to connect with someone if they have a wall in front of them or a shield in front of them that kind of says, thou shall not enter, right? And so by kind of bringing in that safety, and especially, and I love Marlene, how you said at the beginning where safety means something different for different people. What an amazing way when you're designing that connection, when you're when you're really spending that extra effort. I'm not going to say time, because it may not necessarily take more time, but that deliberate effort of connecting is the way in which you learn what safety means to the other person.
2: Mm-hmm. And now I think we're actually moving on to the framework piece, exploring curiously, where the Act of creating the context of safety requires connecting and empathizing in order to explore curiously around what the other people around you need for, from their perspective, what safety means to them. And when you do that, it enables that group of people or the individual you're in connection with to explore curiously around the problems at hand, the the challenges that you are trying to solve. And so. The the framework talks both about how to do it in the sense of how to create that safety and then what you can do with that safety once you've created it, which is explore curiously to really figure out, well, what are the challenges that we're trying to solve and how can we best do that?
0: And even when you're sharing information, it's very difficult to share information when that safety doesn't exist, right? Both for yourself... Uh, In that, well, okay, like, if I'm going to share information, is it going to be held against me? Like, what are people going to do with that, all that kind of stuff. So that's, that's some of that, that going back to the inner work that you would need to do in order to shift your own mindset around all of these things to bring that safety back in. But then now let's also look at when you're sharing information, and it's safe for others in that context, because you've made sure that that safety is there your sharing of information would be taken in the best light would, would be um, I like always thinking about it as like a, you know, the difference between sharing information and someone, you know, responding with a, and what about this? Right. And in in a lot of times you'll hear us or we hear each other be like, Oh yeah, yeah. That idea. And this one and this one, right. That happens when safety is there versus Oftentimes what I hear as an indicator when safety is not there, where someone is trying to share information and someone within the context is either listening to interrupt, I'll be like, yeah, but is another indication for me where it's like, yeah, yeah, you know what, like, I'm just going to override what you said. And so if you think about that now, it's like, hmm, am I really going to feel like it's the conditions or, or the environment for me to share information more so? Well, not really. And so it kind of just, it goes both ways, right? You need the safety for yourself in creating the context. And I claim actually, because as the leadership practitioner, you've taken the time to understand how safety weaves into all of these things. You're able to then bring safety into the context that you create externally when you do all of those outer practices of connecting and sharing and exploring and and so on.
2: Mm -hmm. You can use the framework as a kind of indicator or a litmus test. How am I doing for safety? Like in the context of what's going on here, is information flowing freely and, and being shared freely? If it's not, what does that tell me about safety? You know, both in terms of how I'm showing up for the people who I'm trying to create that context for and possibly how they're showing, showing up for each other. And what kind of influence might I have in shifting the context toward the agreed upon conditions that, that people I've, I've now come to learn that people need in that context in order to feel safe. What can I do as a leader to shift in that direction as a way of actually increasing the flow of information, increasing the communication? So it, it can be used as a litmus test, and it is actually a mechanism or a check, not, not a checklist, but a uh I'm thinking of checklist here in the sense of like a pre-flight check. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like it, you know, the, the things you have to make sure are in place before you leave the ground. So it's the have I done these things? And then in what way have I done these things? Have I done it in a way that boosts safety or diminishes safety as measured by the behavior and the way that other people in that context
0: are able to show up? I love that. I love that the use of thinking about the framework and building safety at each and every practice And checking for it and reflecting on it. And then also, maybe the added invitation of learning, you know, going back to learning and improvement because you're reflecting on how did I do with safety? And I love that you asked that question How did I do with safety in this particular practice? Asking that question can then also lead to the next question that you might ask yourself, which is the next time I have an intention to create a context for people to be the best version of themselves, how can I? bring and build up safety even more.
2: Mm, And when you are able to do that, that's probably a, a beautiful tell that you are creating a context of safety for yourself. Yeah. Because you're able to look at places where, I mean, let's face it, anytime I've gotten feedback that I've created the conditions where the people around me have not felt safe, It is a tough moment as a leader to go, wow, at least they feel safe enough to tell me that they're not safe. Yep, And that that's actually a win because it does not feel like a win in that moment. It feels awful to have gotten feedback that I've done something and now somebody doesn't feel safe. So if I have done my own inner practice work, I can not be reactive to that and I can think, wow, at least there's enough safety here that that person has managed to communicate to me. Amazing to them. Thank you. You know, deeply, deeply uh, lifelong gratitude to all the people who have ever been able to do that for me. And to then take that and build that into my growth as a leader, into my growth as a practitioner, of like really getting into the practice of this as opposed to the, yeah, check that box and I know this, right? That there's always, there's always deeper you can go around deepening the safety for people in contexts. And I, this is true when we're working in organizations where the organization itself does a lot of work to make sure that there's safety sort of overall. And this is true in organizations where that definitely is not their priority. I would say though in both contexts it's equally important.
0: And then there's one more context in there actually maybe even taking it outside of the organization to say that the reason why we put such an emphasis on building safety in into each of the practices of the framework is to enable safety where the organization may or may not support it or may or may not at that broader level build it in. And so as a leadership practitioner, you have the ability to bring that safety and make it explicit in the context rather than either inheriting it from the organization or just having it implicitly just be there but not specifically or not in the in the language that we use, not intentionally brought into the space.
1: Thank you for listening to the Leadership Practitioner Podcast.
0: We invite you to share your thoughts on this episode and your thoughts on how you practice leadership.
1: Join us in the Leadership Practitioner Connection, our community of like-minded practitioners who aspire to create a context for people to be the best versions of themselves and do their best work.
0: You can find it at leadershippractitioner.org slash connection.